Hello, listeners, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am here today with Andy and Steve. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good to be here. I, uh, for those who can't see, Troy is wearing a Wakanda <laughs> shirt or hoodie. Yeah. Wakanda forever, man. Wakanda forever. So uh, are you a Marvel fan? I am a Marvel fan, and I, uh, such a Marvel fan in that I don't care about the deep cuts. I don't care so much about people's, all these opinions of, oh, they're ruining the MCU. The shows were made for entertainment, guys. It was made to entertain. <laughs> it doesn't all have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. That's how I feel. <laughs> but uh, my kids love my kids love the this hoodie, and it's it's often jarring for some people because of how bright and colored it is. But if mm. you know anything about me, I am not afraid of colors. So there you go. Yeah, right on, man. <laughs> Do you know who they should have had, by the way, for the the main character in Wakanda Forever? Well, besides myself, who? Uh, I would like to say, Mr. T, man. I want, I want to see. <laughs> Tell me that. Or at least. Amazing. Again, this is going to be my nerdy moment, but at least him as the leader of the Jabari or one of the people, like the big, massive guys. And he, and he could be fully in character, like himself still. Please. They'll all have accents, but yeah. he's just like, a pity the he fool would. who comes into Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> Vibranium's not for you. Like he could, he doesn't need to change. I could see a moment where he's like, he's really getting after it, and he just rips all of his gold necklaces <laughs> off his body and just. <laughs> where did you get a van? Why is there a van in Wakanda? What are you doing? <laughs> Before we uh, digress too far, uh, <laughs> it is September. School is in full force. Uh, are yes. you guys, are you guys, kids, uh, back into it like mine are? Yep. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's, that's all it. I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a lot of pain behind that. Yep. I know. I know. <laughs> well, um, the the school, we, we had our first week together on Monday with all the new families and everything. And for those that have been kind of following this journey with me, uh, my wife just started a new like a classical conversations, like the curriculum that we follow there, they, we do it in communities and different groups. And so uh, we've been driving to Leduc. It's like 45, 50 minute drive from here. And we did that every week and we're like, yeah, no, let's start one in our back neck of the woods. And we did that. And this is the first time we did it. It was great. Loving it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Araya, is officially in school and Woo! we yeah she's doing a what's called a blended learning program with it called with TLA it's a it's a homeschooling a Christian homeschooling program and so she is going to school from 9 to 2 on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then the rest is done at home she focuses on math and science at home and and the arts as well so having a recording studio in the basement helps her out because we're going to try and work on some music for her. But uh, yesterday, (laughs) yesterday, I was not okay. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. We got her ready. Remember, we took her to the store to buy her new back to school outfit and made her a little back to uh, first day of school sign. And as she was getting ready, I was like, this is fine. This is fine. This is is great. (laughs) But I think what made it harder was how excited she was. Like, and and it's a weird thing that her excitement to go to school made Jasmine and I just like, okay, well, you sure you don't you don't need us at all? Like it's like it's fine. Like daddy, 
Daddy's right here. You want to leave? Yeah, let's leave. You know, like, but we brought her to the school and uh, I held it together. Jasmine was a mess and she left feeling, should we go get her? I left her crying. I was like, no, Jay, we have to leave her. (laughs) Tearing up. As you're crying. Oh, man. Uh, And and we're walking to the parking lot. Parents are (laughs) seeing us tear up. They're like, it gets better. <laughs> it gets easier. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, appreciate you guys. But Tuesday was a monumental day for us. And today is the first day of homeschooling. At the time of this recording, it is a Wednesday. So we are nice. we are in it. We're mm. in it. <laughs> but I could ramble on into those things. I know some of you probably skipped this already, and my heart hurts. But we, for- we will forgive you. We are going to get into today's <laughs> podcast. Today, we're actually looking at a, a passage of scripture that Andy was was going across in his study time while he was speaking at a church. And then some of you who may be listening got to hear a snapshot of uh, him talk about this at one of the most recent donor events we had. And it's in Colossians. So for those of you who listen to podcasts with your Bibles, please open your Bibles to Colossians <laughs> chapter 3, verse 15. It reads, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Andy, what was it about this this passage that that really came alive for you? First of all, I love the book of Colossians, and that the entire book resonates with me. It's such a it's such a powerful letter that that Paul wrote. And I think that this verse is really meaningful right now in, in the day and age that we live in. Uh, we we live in a in a time of a culture war that I think is interesting, by the way, because when I when I say that word culture war, I'm saying I'm saying our society is really divided against itself. It's not like it's so much like societies against Christianity, it, although that's clearly the case at some level. But it's also just societies is everybody's against everybody. Like mm-hmm. it's not like it's just Christians that feel like they're in a culture war. Is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Like mm-hmm. you know, you can listen to secular people talk about the same culture war they 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 they're in it too mm-hmm. and and it was interesting because when i was first doing my master's degree and in thinking on this or first start hearing about this was you know in probably around 2008ish was when i maybe even earlier actually started really hearing about this idea or maybe it, it would've been earlier probably about 2005 okay but it's just slowly ramped up more and more and, and, and more until the you know place that we're at right now, which in many ways, as you've heard me say on the podcast before, kind of feels like a boiling point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, we in the church, though, we talk about setting ourselves apart, right? Being holy, holy in the sense of being set apart, being, which by the way is the sort of the the theme of the launch event that's coming up that we're doing in it but not of it in the world but not of the world well played um, steve but, well played yeah, there you go <laughs> but think about that hey like if we as the church could be united despite our differences how countercultural is that right now yeah and and i think you got to pay attention to when you tell a person that they're they're set apart there's there's two ways there really are two ways of looking at it the way the, the world says oh you're special and then the way god says to be special or because when we look at being holy or set apart it has more to do with consecration and you sacrificing your own ideas and 
and perceptions of things Mm -hmm. rather than I'm just going to be all I desire to be, which, as we're saying, is entirely countercultural. And actually, that creates more conflict than not and division, Mm -hmm. right? If you insist on you doing you, then we're going to have a lot of fracture, yeah. Yeah. That that's a great point, Steve. I mean, talk about culture war. It's really becomes an extreme individualism, a war mm-hmm. of everyone against everyone. Mm-hmm. A- and we're seeing that more and more where even camps are being divided amongst themselves and the divisions are becoming ever more nuanced. And that, mm-hmm. that's just that is part of the the culture war of today that is extreme as it, as it is. And, and what you guys are getting at, I think is such a, a key idea where, you know, this idea of peace, right? Talk about being set apart, talk about looking different in a culture of war and you see peace. I mean, that, that is light in, in the darkness. And, and Paul is saying to this church that Christ is not a name. It's a title. Yeah. And I've and I've followed this before, this line of thinking. I'm gonna do it again. I do this with my kids all the time. And what is what is the word Christ Greek for? You know, Messiah. That's the mm-hmm. Hebrew word. And what's the Hebrew word for meaning? Anointed one. And Jews anointed their king. So when you say Jesus Christ, you're literally saying King Jesus. Yeah. And Paul's mm-hmm. saying here that King Jesus is the one that should rule your heart. And his rule is a rule of peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And right there, too, when Paul is writing Colossians, like he, this isn't a context, right? And the context is you have some false teachers coming in that are requiring you to, especially Gentile believers, to observe certain Jewish things like circumcision and, and, you know, feast days and those kinds of things and abstain from pork, all of those. Um, so in order for you to be a Christian, you have to follow these things. And Paul's having like this super theologically allergic reaction to this and saying, no, that's not the gospel. Don't listen to them. Be united in Jesus, who actually, um, he, he's the one who has fulfilled all of these things. So because of Jesus, you can be united despite coming from different backgrounds. And, and it's interesting what happens when you start to allow King Jesus to rule. He does take all, all of that burden and starts to replace it with peace, knowing, okay, this isn't, this isn't about me trying to earn God's love. God already loves me. Uh, Jesus already demonstrated the depths of God's love for me. Jesus already defeated death. Jesus has defeated the greatest enemy that I could ever even be afraid of. And so if I allow Jesus to rule in my life and in my heart, it it brings peace. But you and I, I think if we're honest, it's hard to find peace in a culture that's constantly jostling for position. And we, we do it in so many different ways from how much money I make to how much influence I have to the status of my my car job you name it right it's it's always there's always something for us to not have peace about mm-hmm. 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 I, I wonder what you guys would how you would look at this this phrasing of ignorance is bliss and I, and I bring that up because as we're talking about having peace in the midst of the chaos of the world for those of you who are at least our Canadian listeners and those who may not know recently, Platforms like Meta and 
I guess now X, have removed news from social media platforms. And I raised a question to some people and I said, man, I actually don't mind it at all because now I don't have just whatever kind of news, whatever filtered news just coming across my platform without even my desire. Now I actually got to go look things up. But how would you guys feel about a person then using the phrasing of ignorance is bliss? Is Can you be ignorant and have peace or is ignorance actually more of a problem? I think it really depends on what we mean by ignorance because th there can be the kind of ignorance that just by nature of things, right? So little children are ignorant of certain complexities of life because they just haven't had that life experience. They haven't developed to that, um, to that level. Mm -hmm. But there is the kind of ignorance that is an intellectual vice, that sort of willful ignorance, if you will. Yeah. Right, things that you should actually know and you know have some conclusion on, you willfully disengage from. Now, having said that, of course, just like you, I mean, I don't use Facebook anymore, really, except for you know, except to check on certain things that AC does. I don't really post anything. I haven't in a long time, and and you know, I ever since going off of Facebook. That measure of peace has increased a whole lot in my life. Yeah. Just not because I don't think we're just made to have that kind of information overflow. No. And and I want to bring up a, an ironic, yeah, a challenge in our day and age that I, I think is is really problematic, and that is that oftentimes I'm better informed of what's happening across the world than I am across my street. And Oof. and I think that that's really, Yikes. I think it's really problematic. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because then, as you were saying, Steve, you know, we we start to take the world's news upon ourselves. I, and I I am convinced that that we're not not meant to do that. We're not meant to shoulder that kind yeah. of weight. But yeah. especially in the way that we consume information, it tends to be all of the bad stuff, of course, that's happening mm -hmm. around the world. And then and then there's the added problem that it can be cherry-picked to start to become persuasive in a certain way or starting to lead to certain conclusions mm -hmm. that may or may not be accurate. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not though the story's accurate, if you're only shown one thing repeatedly, it can start to give you a false perspective of what actually is happening in the world. It becomes problematic. But here's my point in it. Uh, and that is, how informed am I about what's going on in my family's life and in my friends' lives and those around me? Mm -hmm. And am I, am I entering into that story? Because I, I don't think we are, not to the degree that we should. And I don't think that we will experience peace until we do that. Because notice in the, and this is the beauty of the Bible, this, sorry, this is the beauty of what Jesus is doing and has done in that we have been united in him, that we mm -hmm. are a community, we're a church. And I'm going to tell you, man, if there's any non-Christians listening to this, one of the coolest things when I became a Christian was to realize that I had a global family that yeah. I was a part of that, man, I can go, I can go to a church and I can immediately develop a community. And that can be here in Canada mm -hmm. or around the world. And we are yeah. united as one family, mm -hmm. but yeah. you know, that peace that. really comes when you embrace that. 
I love that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think for all of us in in our years of going to different locations and and being billeted, you know, you're being <laughs> billeted, you're being put up somewhere. Not all the experiences have been positive, but more often than not, it's a it's a weird thing to say, but truly, all of my needs have been met when I have gone on the road uh, as even whether I'm solo or with my family, we'll go somewhere. And the pure commonality of being a Christian, being a believer, and knowing that we're one with yeah. the body, man, the generosity, yeah. not only have I experienced, but I've gotten to pour out because of that is, is so, so special. And, and that's why, you know, when you're, we're looking at this passage of scripture and Paul directly highlights, he says, uh, we're called in one body, period, and be thankful, period. Now, I know grammatically it could have been something different, but that and be thankful, you really don't realize how good you have it in in a church community until you move to a new city and you don't know anybody and you got to start all over. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, Just last week on Friday, we actually put our kids in the Korean language school. So they are there for the first time. And they are sitting in these classes where they're hearing this language that they don't understand. And everybody else around them, they've, I mean, they, they have a couple of friends that are in different classes. So nobody in their own class is anybody that they know. And we kind of bonded over that just a little bit. Or I felt like I bonded with them because that was my experience when I first came to Canada. And it is that that kind of sense of loneliness when you're in a situation where you don't know anybody and it's even worse if you don't speak the language, that I am convinced that you're not meant to live like that, all right? And I I did what I did only because I had to. It's not mm-hmm. the sort of thing that I would just willingly jump into. Um, and in, in a situation like that, interestingly, the first thing you want to do is make friends, yep. right? P- people that you can depend on. You're just not meant to live like an island, um, you you want to be together with, and what's beautiful about the church, it's not just that we believe in the same things, but more importantly, I would say that it is the fact that we have a common Father. Yeah, that's right. That's what brings us together through Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And so Christianity, and I know this is not what you meant, but Christianity is not just a, a set of beliefs. It is mm-hmm. that, but it's way more than that. It is yeah. actual family if that's a word. It is today. (laughs) That's one of the reasons why I actually talk to my kids quite a bit about this, where uh, we got to be careful as a church sometimes that we forget that we're a family, and we forget that a lot of the practices that Jesus instituted are family practices, such as communion. Communion was meant to be a meal, and sometimes we, we lose sight of the meal aspect of communion, that it's it's gathering around the dinner table to reflect and to remember. And I think this is so critical. Why, why does God constantly call us to remember? Because we suck at it. Like, yeah. honestly, yep. <laughs> we're terrible. And what are we terrible at? We're terrible at being thankful. You, yeah, we really don't really dive into sermons and messages on gratitude until it's Thanksgiving season. <laughs> it's, right. Like, we're just so, we're just, and, and and let's be real. I mean, I know there's pastors probably on this podcast, but speakers, whatever. When was the last time you did a message about the birth, the birth of Jesus, 
and the, and a message about gratitude and being thankful for what Christ has done for us, like in with the attitude of Thanksgiving outside of the holiday this year. I haven't heard a message or sermon about the birth of Jesus because I guess it's only relevant when it's commercially recognized. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like that's a problem, right? As, mm. uh, that That is an absolute problem. And, you know, I don't want us to ever get into being the type of people that only bring up being a body believers because there's someone deconstructing in our community or because someone who the community loved dearly has decided to move on. Like that shouldn't be the motivating factor. And so here's a question for you guys. So we're a family, right? We are to be united. Family. Oh man, it was right there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was way too easy. I gave it to to you, right? We're a family. We're to be united in Jesus Christ. We suck at it. We often forget. What would you suggest? I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and don't don't misunderstand. I think that we aren't we're not good at it because that, that's just the that's just the brokenness of of the world mm-hmm. and that jesus entered into and and said let me show you what it looks like to find peace let me show you what it looks like to be thankful let me show you what it looks like to love god and to love people right and so that's mm-hmm. that sanctifying work that jesus calls us into now uh you had mentioned earlier a shameless plug for launch and and the in it, but not of it. <laughs> so let me just jump on that shameless plug. That phrase comes from John 17. And it, it comes from a prayer in which Jesus is praying. And he's praying about people being in the world, but not of the world. But more specifically, Jesus says, I've sent you into the world, but you are not to be mm-hmm. of the world. And that's really critical because yeah. I think some Christians right now think that peace comes by running from the world and hiding. That is not what Jesus is saying. He, he's encouraging us saying, I, listen, don't run from the world. I, I sent you into the world. And then he goes on to pray and say, but I'm praying over you that, that Satan, he, that he, you will be protected from the evil one and yeah. that you would be sanctified. And it's really this walking with the Lord in this brokenness, in this culture war that's always been going on. It's been going on since Adam and Eve. We've been in a culture war. But Jesus is like, you don't need to be afraid. I'm I'm with you and you can find peace in me. And I'm going to teach you how to... uh, how to walk in the midst of, of these challenges. And so I, I, Steve, to answer your question, I think that that's really what it looks like is, is to realize Mm -hmm. that I'm not alone. I'm with the Lord, but I'm also with, with, with my, with my family that I have been adopted into through, through Christ and that we go together and that together we have peace uh, it's found in community. It's found in community with God. It's found in community with each other. And if I could just wrap this little sermonette with a bow, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that God's really teaching me uh, for a number of years now is just what does it look like to just take a moment in your life and to just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you mm-hmm. for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my church. By the way, I love my church dearly. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for that sanctification process. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's not It's not mm-hmm. easy. But I'm like, man, I'm just so thankful, Jesus, that you're walking with me in it. And I'm so thankful for the peace that I have in you, knowing that everything is under control and that you reign. You are the good king. And 
uh, and I'm just going to continue to entrust myself to you and being thankful uh, for you. You're absolutely right. See, I, I just have this sense of when I look at, for example, my family, as in my family, my kids, my wife, I look at them one way, but when I go to church, I look around me and I see them in a slightly different way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it, on the one on one level, that's natural. But on the other hand, I have to stop and go, why, why do I look at them differently, right? Why shouldn't I? Like as if if my daughter, let's say she's a teenager, she's she's at that age where she's driving, she's stuck somewhere in the middle of, you know, minus forty degree weather. Like I'm dropping everything I'm doing to go help mm-hmm. them. Would I do the same for my church family? Probably I should. <laughs> well, I'm hoping you but, would at negative thirty, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. By the way, I was at a church once in Edmonton, and I was with this pastor. We were leaving the church, and he gets this text from the janitor. They got locked out of the church at negative 20, and I've never seen a man turn around so fast and just like drive as quickly as he can back. That's what it's like doing ministry in Canada. You can die, people. You can... can... (laughs) Getting locked out is an emergency. It's a matter of life and death in many parts of Canada. What do you Um, mean you don't have a scarf wrapping around your entire your face and you're going outside <laughs> yeah. Not a thing. yeah it it's it's so interesting that you bring that up Steve because that is something that I know for especially in our church community like we are very much the type of community that we have no problem amongst our leadership like hey love you man hey love you sis like this is my sister that's my that's auntie that's that's just our church our church community and I know for for a lot of people that have never experienced that, it's like, wait, that's that's odd. That's that's weird. But some of the healing that's come from that is people who have had poor associations with those titles and seeing it, seeing God restore it. Like, man, mm-hmm. I like I have the honor of being the big brother to some people who don't have a big brother and have always desired one, who have come from like very tumultuous situations where they wish they had a big brother who was looking out for them. Those those phrasings have have really brought our community that much more together but here's the cool thing for for us is when something does happen when there is a need i can know without a shadow of a doubt that there is someone i can reach out to in our leadership slack group and say hey there's this need can anyone help out or there's a couple individuals who i can individually reach out to i don't have to go and Mm-hmm. sign a whole document and start a go fund me i just know that i have i have access to that and so when it comes to sometimes, you know, yeah, yes, I'll go to church and Araya is my daughter and there may be a younger kid, but I've asked the Lord, help me see them as you would see them, as still a child needing to be covered and loved. And so our community, we got no issue with disciplining a kid who's not ours to a certain degree. Like, no, I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> taking a kid aside and whooping somebody else's kid. <laughs> but as far as, but as correction comes... Yeah, And I just remember what Jesus said is like, I have come to cut between these domestic relationships. And so he wants to come between the way I see my family as well as other people's families. I I just had one quick thing that I wanted to add to that, Troy, because it's really important what you brought up. One thing that I'm reminded of is the fact that Jesus actually reprioritized families because, I mean— he clearly loves his mother. 
Sure. Right? Because he was thinking of her even as he was dying on the cross, saying, yeah. John, here's your mother, right? Yeah. Mother, here's your son. Basically yeah. saying, okay, you, I want you taken care of even as I'm dying on the cross. But at the same time, he also s- says, you know, who is my mother and my sister? Right? Because when his family comes to him thinking, okay, he's out of his mind, whatever he's doing, Jesus says, who, who are my mother? and my brothers and sisters, the people who are doing the will of my Father in heaven, this is my family. So, he clearly has a love for his own blood relations, but at the same time, he expanded that to say, okay, this is your spiritual family, your blood family, that belongs in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, this is, and so, I think in the church, the phrase we should probably be very careful of is, who are you to tell me? Right, I think I think we need to be really careful with using that because we are family and we have, yeah, we get involved in each other's affairs. I do want to just make two quick comments here. One would be, uh, given my time in ministry, I'm always worry, worried when people hear a conversation like this and don't use discernment about what we're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to discern who a Christian is and who your church family actually is. And not to be naive to that, that uh, there are new people coming into church families. There are broken people that come into church families. Uh, don't be naive to uh, mm-hmm. the brokenness that's going on in, yeah. in the world. So on the, on the one level. On the other level, though, there are people who, so you can kind of get the, the two, two extremes. One is the naive, you know, just jumps right in, trusts everybody sort of idea and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, be chill. careful. <laughs> yeah, there's broken people out there. The other one, though, that's just afraid to even engage at all and and creates what I see particularly here in Vancouver area is a very lonely culture. In fact, Vancouver has been called one of the loneliest places in Canada. And yeah. and I saw this the other day, by the way, at a, at a place I was speaking at. I was talking to a, a young man that was just... He was very lonely, but afraid to engage in community. And fra- mm. but it, but at least he was out at this thing I was speaking at. And this guy was just very emotional. As I was just just encouraging him, get connected into a community, and you know, and, tr- and just seeking to explain to him. And maybe you're just listening to this podcast right now. If you if you are feeling loneliness, if you are not connected into community, you know, you you really need to take that step of. Uh, and it's and it's actually not one step. I would say it's multiple steps into community, yeah. right? Where yeah. you continue to to go. And I'm not saying, by the way, uh, that if you say, let's imagine you go to a church, you get connected into a community group, and you don't connect with that group, and you've been trying. Listen, you got you have my permission. Uh, go find a go find a different community group. Some people. Will Andy just, said. Yeah, Andy said. You know, some <laughs> people will just continue on in something that's clearly not a fit. Don't you don't need to do that. This isn't about punishing yourself. Find find the right fit. Uh, yeah. Find the right fit. Find a community that is gonna uh, really connect and and bless you. But my fear in saying that though, and I think everybody's kind of fear in saying that is is it you might be the issue though. You might exactly. need to just commit and. And realizing exactly. that it's not all about you and that community goes both ways, that people need you and you need mm-hmm. them. So yeah, yeah. there's a balancing act that has to happen there, prayerfully seeking that out as the Lord guides and leads. It's, you know, yeah. I, I want to create some sort of cookie cutter uh, situation yeah. here because life doesn't work like that. But it, to encourage people, 
get connected into community and be thankful uh, when you find it, that you connect into it and that you invest into it would, would be, would be my encouragement. And man, uh, will you experience peace? Yeah. Listeners, this is one of the many reasons why we did the branded series, you know, the three-part series, all on identity. And episode two, we called communal identity. We were designed to run together, knowing that Christ is our is leading us and he's not going to let go of us. And one of the main points in there that always resonates with me is something that Andy says is that in the teaching component is that the community is not just about what you can get, it, but it's also what you can give. And so you, there is something that God has specifically gifted you with for a church community, for a group of people, and so that we can ultimately run this thing together because it's not easy, but we were not designed to do it alone. But mm -hmm. um, so if you have not gotten the branded series, you can head to our website <laughs> at ApologeticsCanada. That's right. <laughs> ApologeticsCanada.com. Look under the resources tab, video sources, and the branded series is available for you. It also has question cards for your uh, ministry studies because we know many of you are now back with your home groups. And so we wanted to provide that resource for you. We also do have an announcement coming up very, very soon about the branded series that I'm very excited to let people know of. It is another platform that has just picked up the branded series and we actually were able to work out getting a discount code for ministries and organizations to sign up but more on that coming very very soon so thank you so much for listening to the ac podcast we are a ministry of apologetics canada and we would ask that you would like and subscribe on all your favorite streaming platforms and on youtube for those of you that are hearing this, we hope to see you at the launch event. Once again, coming up this weekend, the date of this recording is the 13th. We will see you in just a couple of days. But until next time, you know the drill. Love God, love people. Bye for now. It's the AC Podcast. Podcast.